Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Hand to Hand in the Trenches. This is Season 1, Episode Number 2, where we are continuing the story of the Vins family, 1960s Soviet Union. When we left off in the last episode, the police had just raided the church service. Halt this meeting. This is an illegal meeting. And had arrested Papa for preaching the gospel. Where's Papa, Babushka? I can't find Papa. Natasha, your Papa was arrested. They put him in jail for preaching the gospel. I'm sure all of our listeners are wondering how long Papa was in jail, and so am I for that matter. Citizen Vins, you've been arrested for illegal religious activities. There's no use in denying your crimes I caught you in the act. I would not deny it if I could. Officer... I am not ashamed to admit that I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If only you would come to know Christ, you would be... Hey, don't preach to me. I'm not fooled by your stupidity. You're going to go to jail for the next 15 days. After that, you're going to be released, but we're going to keep a file on you. If you're arrested again for this stuff, we're going to throw you in prison. It is punishable by three to five years in a prison camp. I strongly recommend that you drop your religious activities. When Papa was released after 15 days in jail, he tried to return to work at the factory when he was called to the office. Georgie Benz, you're needed in the office. Georgie Benz, come to the office at once. Sir, did you need to speak to me? Very briefly, yes. Vins, I've read of your arrest in the paper. I know about your illegal activity. We don't want people like you in our factory. I want you to turn in your resignation. But sir, my wife already lost her job at the school. I have three children. This job is our only income. That has nothing to do with me. I don't want you working here. You are fired. Now clean out your locker and get out of my sight. Wow. And we thought we had it bad when someone giggles at us for praying over a meal in a restaurant. I know, right? So Papa went home and gathered the family around. There are a few things we need to talk about. First of all, I was fired from my job today. 
Oh no, Georgie, what are we going to do? We have no money. How are we going to survive? Don't worry about it, dear. I'm confident that the Lord will take care of us. Even in this situation, I will talk to the men at the church about it on Sunday. After all, the Bible says, in the multitude of counsel, Now, the next thing I want to tell you is very important. Remember, I told you that the police officer said they were keeping a file on me. Yes, Papa. Yes. Well, I'm sure that they're investigating our whole church. It is very likely that even you children may be questioned at some point. Now, children, you understand that if you ever tell the names of one of the preachers or teachers to a policeman, that person could be arrested. For instance, if a policeman came to your school and asked you who teaches Bible lessons at children's meetings, and you tell them Miss Mesha, then Mesha could be arrested and go to prison for over three years. You must never tell the names of our brothers and sisters in Christ to any policeman. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you are ever questioned by the authorities about anything having to do with church, it is best to not answer at all. Be silent like Jesus was when Pilate interrogated him. The Bible says he answered him not a word. That next Sunday, Papa talked to the men of the church about having lost his job. Believers, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God. I have no doubt this will is will. I am sure that it is true. I just don't see how yet. I think I do. What do you mean, Brother Andre? Well, we know the police are keeping a file on you, and that the next time you're arrested, you'll go to prison for several years. I believe all of us, the men of the church, agree that with your ability to preach, you can serve our Lord better outside of prison, helping to encourage the Lord's churches. I am not sure that I understand. Andre means that the church will provide financial support for you and your family. But we want you to leave the city in order to avoid arrest. You'll then travel through the Soviet Union preaching in our other underground churches, helping to distribute the Bibles and the Christian literature being printed in the underground printing ministry. But I would have to be away from my family. There's no doubt you will be arrested soon. Then you'll be away from your family anyway. At least this way you can still sneak back and visit them. Also, there is no way to measure how many souls will be reached by your work distributing Bibles. That's true. Well, brethren, I will pray about it and talk to my family. Then I'll let you know. After praying about it, Papa decided it would be best to leave town and work with the other underground churches and the underground printing ministry. In the meantime, Peter was now old enough to start school. His mom and Papa had decided to place him in a different school than Natasha in hopes that it would be less cruel than hers was. Well, that sounds like a good idea. It was only shortly after Papa had gone into hiding that the police searched the Vins' home for the first time. It happened late at night, 
when the family was asleep. The doorbell rang, and then they started banging on the front door. Open up. Please open up. Fifteen or twenty KGB and uniformed policemen stormed into the house. As the police began searching downstairs, Babushka came into the children's room. Natasha had already been awoken by the banging downstairs. Babushka, what is going on down there? Who is banging on the door? It's a search. Try not to get up. Save our Bible. I'm putting our family Bible underneath the mattress. Try not to get up. They're coming up the steps now. What's going on in here? Sir, please, not so loud. Why do you have to wake up the children? Shut up. I know what I'm doing. What's going on? I'm with the police. Now get up. Everybody get up and go downstairs. I have orders to search this room. You too, little girl. Get up out of that bed. Of course, Natasha was terrified, wondering what they would do to her if they found the Bible underneath her mattress. But she had to obey, so she got up and went downstairs. She saw that the police were searching everything. They even sifted through the flour and sugar to see if there was anything hidden inside. They took every book in the house, even the kids' school books, and turned each page to see if there was any notes penciled in. Of course, they found the Bible and also a hymn book. Then they took all the family photographs and personal letters that they could find, as well as addresses of relatives. Why did they take those things? Apparently, hoping to find where Papa was hiding, as well as learn who and where other Christians were. Anyway, it was almost dawn when they finally left. When Natasha went back to school, her teacher said that each student would have to do a report on a young pioneer hero. She passed out the assignments, and she made a point to assign Natasha to write a report about Pavlik Morozov. I don't know who Pavlik Morozov is, but for some reason, I get the feeling that it's not good for Natasha. You are absolutely correct. Pavlik was a 13-year-old boy whose dad was a farmer. Pavlik's father had hidden some of his own crops when the peasant's grain was taken by the collective farm. In other words, this father kept some of his own crop that he had grown because he wanted to protect his family from starvation. Exactly. Well, anyway, Pavlik betrayed his own father and showed the police where the grain was hidden. Oh, okay, I'm starting to understand. This is starting to make sense to me. The teacher gave this assignment to Natasha to try to get her to betray Papa, just like Pavlik had betrayed his father. Exactly. Well, Natasha, being the smart girl that she was, immediately realized what was happening. Teacher, because I'm not a young pioneer myself, it wouldn't be proper for me to do the report on the young pioneer hero. Natasha Vince has let our whole class down again. Now she will even dishonor the memory of Pavlik Morozov, a hero of the Soviet state. As Natasha walked home after school that day, a group of boys stopped her in the street. How long is this going to continue, Natasha? What do you mean? You know what I mean. We're tired of always finishing last in school competitions because of you. If the teachers can't make you change your mind, 
I bet I know something that will. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Natasha. Yeah, she's been through a lot for a little one. The good news is that as the weeks turned into months, nothing else was heard about the orphanage. Yeah, that is good news. Well, Papa would come home and visit whenever he could, and in March of 1965, they had another baby. They named her Jane. Papa snuck home to see her, but would always have to hide in the bedroom when someone came over. He stayed for three days, but then he had to go back on the road. Then, in May of 1966, news came from Moscow that Papa had been arrested. Natasha spent much of her time wondering about Papa. Where's Papa now? Is it cold in his cell? Will we ever see him again? The prosecutor sent an investigator to question the family. When he came to Peter's school, the teacher told Peter to go to the office. Peter Vins, go to the office. There is someone here to see you. I wonder if he wants to see me. I bet it's the police. I bet they're here to question me about Papa. I'm not going in there. Peter ran away and hid at the home of a different Christian family, and so avoided being questioned. But when the investigator came to Natasha's school, she thought she was only going for her atheistic instruction, so she didn't run away. But when she realized what was happening, she remembered that Papa had told her if she was ever questioned by the police, she should be silent, just like Jesus was. Natasha Vins, how long has your father been involved with the religious activities? Do you hear me? I said, how long has your father been involved in religious activities? Answer me. Answer me. But Natasha never answered him. She just sat there like a stone. When the trial started in late 1966, the family went to Moscow to attend. Since Natasha and Peter were underage, they were not allowed into the courtroom, but they would see Papa being led in and out during breaks. Children, look quick, there's your Papa. Late that evening, Papa and the local pastor were each sentenced to three years in prison camp. The next day, the family was allowed to visit Papa in jail before he was sent to the camp. The guards led them into the meeting room and explained the rules. You'll be allowed a 30-minute visit. I'm going to be here the whole time. Your visit will end immediately if you ask anything about the conditions of the prison. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bring in the prisoner. Papa, I missed you so much. Oh, your hands are so cold. Is it cold and... I've already warned you not to ask about the conditions in the prison. Please excuse him, sir. Peter's only a little boy. He didn't think. It won't happen again. See that it doesn't. Crack 
Then, all of a sudden, little Lisa started to sing a hymn. Everyone was afraid that the visit would end, but the guard just sat there like he didn't even care. The blood from thy womb, this stylus flow, the sin, the double cure, save from As time began to run low, Papa turned to the guard. Officer, will you allow us to pray together? I don't care if you talk to your imaginary friend. Lord God, Please bless our family during this time of persecution. Help us to be faithful to you. I pray that you would protect our children while I'm away in prison. And Lord, we thank you for counting us worthy to suffer for your name. We know that ours is a light affliction. We know that our suffering can never compare to your suffering on the cross. And we pray that our suffering might be used to draw souls to you. Amen. 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 That's it. It's over. Time's up. Let's go. Papa was taken to a prison camp in the cold Yule Mountains. As soon as Mama got a letter telling her what camp Papa was in, she went to visit him and take him warm clothing. She took him some food because food in the camp was very meager and Papa was doing heavy, hard manual labor every day in a logging site. But because visits were only allowed a few times a year, and because it was so far, they mostly stayed in contact by writing letters. But even this was very difficult, because some of Papa's letters would be confiscated by the KGB, and his family would never see them. Even so, they wrote each other as often as they could, so they could stay in contact. Now, we need to back up just a little bit because something important happened while Papa was awaiting trial. Okay, what's that? As soon as Papa was arrested, Babushka went to Moscow to try to find out when the trial would be held. There were a lot of Christians who were awaiting trial at the time. Many of them had wives or mothers in the city trying to get details about them just like Babushka was. Okay, go ahead. Quite a few of them were staying in a home of an elderly pastor in Moscow. Every night when the women got back to the house, they would talk about their experiences and what they had learned about their loved ones. They were able to encourage each other very much, but the more women who came to the city, the more they all realized just how many Baptists were being imprisoned and persecuted at the time. Someone should try to make a file with all the names and details of every Baptist that's in prison. Then we can get Christians all over the country to send letters to, to encourage them and to send petitions to the government on their behalf. So, that's exactly what Babushka and some of the other ladies started doing. They called it the Council of Prisoners' Relatives. After Papa was sent to the prison camp, Babushka continued her work with the council. Soon, it was known across the country that relatives of Christian prisoners could come to the Venn's home in Kiev, and Babushka would help them write petitions and teach them how they could best help their loved ones in prison. 
wives and mothers would show up at the house at all hours of the night, and Babushka would welcome them in and encourage them in the best way that she could. Come in, come in. You must be freezing. Sit down and I'll make you a hot cup of tea. By now, the Vins' home was under constant surveillance. Sometimes the KGB would park right outside the gate and follow them whenever they left the house. Sounds like the secret police wasn't so very secret after all. Yeah, that's true. Also, the family started to suspect that the KGB had planted listening devices in the house, so nothing important could be discussed out loud. They would write anything about the church on a scrap of paper and then burn it right away. That sounds like a pretty good idea. The ministry of the Council of Prisoners' Relatives grew so much that eventually three young Christian ladies in their 20s started working with Babushka as her secretaries. Whenever Babushka heard of a Christian being arrested, she would send one of the girls to meet with the family. Now, ladies, when we meet this family, remember to look and see if they have enough firewood and potatoes to last for the winter. Do the children have warm clothes? Make a note if the roof leaks or any major repairs are needed. Then we will get in touch with all the churches and try to help provide for their needs. You know, Kim, it's important to remember that God's work does not depend on any man. So even with Papa in prison, the family and the church had to continue going forward. That's very true. So in the summer of 1967, when Papa had been in prison for about a year, Miss Masha, Natasha's Sunday school teacher, gave her some really exciting news. Natasha, our youth group is going on a camping trip. Yay! You see, Natasha and her friends were teenagers, but they had never been camping or to any kind of youth camp because they didn't join the Young Pioneers, and therefore they were left out of all school camping trips and activities. So, about 60 Christian kids ranging in age from 10 to 15, along with 10 adults, traveled out to the country to a clearing near the little town of Chernobyl. Chernobyl? Isn't that where a nuclear reactor melted down? Yes, but don't worry, that wouldn't happen for nearly 20 more years. And uh, it has nothing to do with this story. Oh, that's good. For a second, I thought this story was about to end very quickly and tragically, for that matter. Yeah, not this time. When camp was set up, they had a good dinner cooked over the campfire and then sang songs around the fire until late in the night. When it was time to go to bed, Natasha and some of her friends were given the job of staying up late to keep the fire going, and they had a wonderful time talking around the fire until early in the morning. Then, the next day was spent playing games and learning new Christian songs. After lunch, Miss Masha read a book about the early Christians to the teenagers, while the younger kids listened to a story about the creation, and drew pictures of it. Now remember that. It'll be important later. That night, as they were singing around the campfire, one of the men interrupted. Quiet! Everyone be quiet! What is it? What's the matter, Brother Andre? 
I was just down by the river, and a boat went past very slowly. They were shining flashlights on the bank. I think they might have heard the singing and are trying to see if we've had a Christian camp so that they can report us to the police. Maybe not. Maybe they were just fishing. Could be, but I don't think so. I think we should send all the children to bed early tonight. All of the adults will stay up and see what, if anything, happens. Then we will decide what to do in the morning. Yes, of course, you're right. Off to bed, children. Quietly, everyone, keep quiet. Go to bed. The adults stayed up all night, some watching the fire and some listening down by the river. I hope that I'm just worrying about nothing. Who is that? Who is what? There, in the dark, there's someone over there by the trees. I see them now. Well, whoever it is, they're coming this way. Hello there. Do you mind if we warm up by your fire? Two men walked up to the fire. They said they were hunters who had gotten lost, but they were not dressed for hunting, and they were not carrying any hunting gear. Y'all sure have a lot of tents here. This is not a young pioneer's camp, is it? No. Um, this is just a bunch of kids from the city who we brought camping. You don't look like you're dressed for hunting. Oh, um, yeah, well, um, you know, uh, we just decided all of a sudden to go hunting, and so now we're lost, and, and that's why. Okay, yeah, I am not buying it. Well, neither were the Sunday school teachers. After the men left, they decided first thing in the morning that they would break camp and head back to Kiev. So the next morning, after packing everything up, they started hiking down the path toward the road. Suddenly, two policemen appeared on the path in front of them. What are y'all doing here? We're just heading home from a camping trip. I thought so. You're all under arrest. Are you serious? We have young children here. Yes, y'all are all under arrest. You've been involved in illegal religious activities. Follow me. We have a police truck waiting for you. When they got to the road, they saw a large canvas-covered truck, like the kind the military used, and two police cars waiting. They were all crammed into the truck as tight as they could, and some of the children were put into the police cars. Then the police started driving them to Chernobyl, which was the closest town. Natasha was seated at the back of the truck near the opening, so one of the teachers very quickly passed her the drawings that the younger children had done of the creation. Natasha, try to tear these up and throw them out without being noticed. If the police find them, they will know we had a Christian camp. Natasha knew how important this job was, because if the police could prove that it was a Christian camp, the teachers might go to prison. The problem was that one of the police cars was following the truck, so she didn't have a chance to throw them away without being noticed. So Natasha and her friend Luda folded them up and hid them inside their jackets, hoping to do it later. When they did arrive at the police station, they realized that it was too small for everyone, so they had to wait out in the courtyard that was surrounded by a big brick wall, while a few people at a time were taken inside to be interrogated. Soon, the word started getting around the courtyard that the police were emptying every backpack, opening each tent, 
and everyone, even the smallest children, were being strip searched. What? Really? That is insanity. Who strip searches small children? As bizarre as it sounds, it's true. Well, Natasha and Luda knew that pretty soon they would be strip searched as well, and they racked their brains trying to think of a way to get rid of the drawings. There was a restroom in the courtyard, and they decided that it was their only chance. So they went to the restroom and tore up the pictures into little bitty pieces and left them in the wastebasket, being very careful to try to make sure they didn't look conspicuous. Of course, it wasn't long before the policemen entered the ladies' room and found the pieces of paper. They pasted them all back together and then showed them to the teachers. We have evidence right here that you've had a Christian camp. You'll all be taken to the bus station and sent back to Kiev. We'll be opening up a criminal case against some of you, so don't think that you're getting away with anything. It was after midnight when they got home. Soon they learned that Miss Masha was being charged for the crime of organizing a Christian camp, so she actually had to move to another city to escape arrest. Oh, Miss Masha, I'm going to miss you so much. I'll pray for you every day and come visit whenever I can. Just remember that even when we are apart, the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, there is one more thing that we need to talk about before we stop for the day. What's that? In October of 1967, when Papa had been in prison for about a year and a half, Babushka and Natasha traveled to the Ural Mountains to visit Papa at his prison camp. They traveled by train and then by bus for three days and finally arrived at Talia, which was a tiny town, the last town where all the roads ended and the Tega began. The Tega is a giant forest area in the Ural Mountains, complete wilderness. When they arrived in this little town, they learned that the only way to the camp was by a narrow gauge railway. The train that occasionally traveled on it consisted of an engine, followed by several open-air rail cars loaded with lumber. They walked through the muddy streets to the little wooden hut that served as a train station. Several people were already waiting there. Ma'am, can you tell us where to get a copy of the train schedule? There is no schedule here, Grandma. You must simply wait until a train comes by. It comes whenever it has a load of freight. You and the little lady are a long way from the city. They waited for several hours. When the train finally arrived, some men helped them load their luggage onto the flatbed train cars. The luggage was heavy because they had brought Papa winter boots and warm clothes as well as salami, lard, and canned food to last him for a while in camp. Now these things, which honestly to you and I would seem insignificant, were incredibly valuable to someone in prison camp. So they got their bags loaded up and rode in the open air all the way with cold wind blowing and rain pouring down on them. It was brutally cold. Finally, in a clearing, they saw the barbed wire fences and they knew that they had arrived at the prison camp. Only Natasha and Babushka were getting off at this camp. So as soon as they were off, they looked for somewhere to get out of the rain. Look, Babushka, there's a little hut over here. 
No one is answering. Let me try the door. The door was unlocked, so when they got inside, they realized that the hut was for visitors to use when they came to visit their loved ones who were in prison. It was small and dirty. Inside, there wasn't much of anything. There was a wooden table with a couple of benches and a metal bed with a dirty mattress. I mean, so dirty, it was black. But there was a fire burning, and it was warm and dry. While Natasha hung her coat up to dry by the fire, Babushka hurried off to talk to an officer and see when they would be allowed to visit Papa. When she got back an hour later, she was very upset because the camp director had refused to allow a visit. He said Papa had broken the rules because during a recent search of the barracks, the guards had found Papa's notebook, which had some handwritten Bible verses in it. After talking it over and praying about it, they decided to wait until morning and talk to him again, in hopes that he would change his mind. As it grew dark outside, they watched the prisoners being marched back from cutting timber all day. They tried really hard, but they couldn't see Papa in the crowd. They settled in for the night, crowded together on the little bed with only their coats to use for blankets. They barely drifted off to sleep when they started to feel something small falling on them from the ceiling. Babushka, what is that? Do you feel it? I don't know what it is. Let me light a candle so we can see. They lit a candle, and that's when they saw all the bed bugs falling down on them from the ceiling. Ugh, that is so gross. I bet they didn't sleep very well that night. Not very much, no. Well, the next morning, they watched the prisoners being marched out to work again, but they still didn't see Papa. After Babushka went to see the camp director again, she came back and said that today he had been kinder to her, but he told her that they would have to go back to town to get permission from an official in town, and that if they did, he would let them visit Papa. So that was really good, but they had another problem. They had to decide what to do with their luggage. Babushka had woken up that morning with a terrible pain in her back, probably from riding in the open air and the rain and everything from the day before on the train. Now she couldn't help carry the luggage, and it was too much for Natasha to carry it by herself. But if they left it, someone else might come along and steal it. Besides, if they didn't get permission from in town, they didn't want to have to come all the way back to get the luggage and then go all the way back again. They finally decided to repack their bags and leave one bag with the least valuable items behind. They placed it under the bed, then back to the train track where they waited and waited, but no train came. Two guards, apparently on their day off, were heading to town. They said it would probably be too long to wait for a train they started walking to the main junction, where the tracks going to the camp would join the main line. There would be more trains on that track. Now the guards said that it was only about three miles to the junction. They were young and strong, and they just started walking. But for Babushka and Natasha, it was a much more difficult thing. Babushka, we have to walk. Natasha, I don't know how we can make it. I'm in terrible pain, and those two bags are too heavy for you. 
We have to try. It's the only way. Here, let me find you a walking stick. Natasha found Babushka a good, strong walking stick to lean on. Then she hoisted the backpack up on her shoulders and picked up the heavy duffel bag. They prayed and started walking down the track. They walked for about an hour, stopping every few minutes to rest. Natasha, do you hear that? There's a train coming. Hurry, flag him down. Please stop, please stop, please stop. In answer to their prayers, the engineer stopped the train. Because the rail cars were full of logs, the engineer offered to let them ride in the engine with him, and they were in town before they knew it. When they got to town, Natasha waited by the train tracks while Babushka, with her walking stick in hand, went off to find the administrator. The man took pity on her after she explained that they had traveled for three days to see Papa, and he signed her permission to visit. When Babushka got back to the train station, they prayed that the next train would arrive soon. When the train did arrive, they rode it back to the camp and went straight to the gate. It was getting dark when they arrived, but because they had the permission slip, they were immediately allowed through the gate and taken to a room that was used for visits. The officer explained that the visit would last for only two hours and that like when Papa was first arrested, the guard would be with them the entire time. Also, once again, they would not be allowed to ask questions about conditions in the prison camp. Then, they led Papa in. I'm so glad to see you both. It's been so long. I miss you all so much, and I pray for you every day. They had a wonderful fellowship for those two hours. Papa ate some of the food that they had brought to him. He was very grateful for the wonderful gifts. He was anxious to know how the family was doing and his friends in the church. But there were many things that they couldn't discuss in front of the guards. The two hours flew by and soon their time was up. They prayed together and hugged one another and it was time to go. Goodbye, my son. We will be praying for you. Don't be discouraged. You're still young and your term is half over. Before you know it, you will be back with your family and all the lessons that you've learned here in prison will remain. Remember, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Goodbye, Papa. I love you. Goodbye to you both. Hug your mama and siblings for me, and tell all the brethren that I send my greetings. As Papa was led back to the barracks, Natasha and Babushka made their way back to the little hut where they spent another sleepless night and the next morning began their long journey back to the Ukraine. And sadly, it's time for our listeners to begin the long wait for the next episode. So we're going to have to stop for today. Not too long, just a week. Well, we do hope that everyone enjoyed the story this week and we hope that everyone will listen in next week to find out what happens. Natasha is a teenager now and she'll have a whole new set of problems. Also, we'll be talking more about Babushka and the Council of Prisoners' relatives, as well as Papa's time in prison. But, in the meantime, we want to leave you with this reminder. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Ephesians 6, 13.